when I saw you walking through that door Cause I saw a look right there that I never seen before Whatever I did this time must have been pretty bad Cause when I said we're done, well she said I'm glad Then she put a key mark right down the side of my truck Put a dent right in the door There has to be a law somewhere That's abuse on a four by four That Chevrolet never did nothing to you Why don't you take it out on me? Second thought, I'm gone To a place where I can be Living it up with the neon lights And the music turned up loud A cover band cranking out a country tune With a getting loud rally crowd All I need is a few good butters and a beer And I'll be feeling fine Cause there ain't no us in together But there's a me in good time Alright With all due respect, honey, you can kiss my ass Living it up with neon lights and the music turned up loud A cover band breaking out a country too With a kid loud rally crowd All I need is a few good butters and a beer And I'll be feeling fine Cause there ain't no us in together But there's a me in good time, alright Again, apologies that it was coming in and out like that. Um, 
I don't know what was going on, but that is okay. That song was called A Good Time by Matt Weston. And I played that special for our guests tonight because Julie Morgan is on the show, and we're going to have a good time with Julie Morgan. She's a USA Today and award-winning best-selling author. She holds a degree in computer science and loves science fiction shows and movies. She was encouraged by her family um, to begin writing and originally from Texas, now resides central Florida with her husband and daughter, where she is an advocate for special needs children, and she can be found playing games with her daughter when she isn't lost in another world. For more information, visit her website at juliemorganbooks.com. Hey, Julie, welcome to the show. Hey, Ian, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, and so we're just going to dive right into it. You know how we how we act on off the chain. We don't... We got an hour, and it never never seems long enough, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. your most recent current events. Well, there's been it's been quite a while since I've been on the show. So, uh, current events. There's been quite a few books that's been put out, and um, my daughter. We've talked a lot about my daughter. She's in high school now. I can't believe that. And a week and a half ago, Florida went through a hurricane. It was named Hurricane Ian. You know, named after you. <laughs> and yeah, uh, everything was that. fine here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> everything was fine here. We had a little, you know, superficial cosmetic damage to our house and fence, but everything was fine here. But a neighbor, a couple of houses down, lost half his roof. So we just send up, you know, grateful thoughts every day that it, thankful that it wasn't any worse. So, and um, hopefully those that did suffer you know, come through out on the other side really well. So, but outside the hurricane, things have been going great. And um, just, you know, one day after the other and one foot in front of the other and try to pump out the books when I get time, (laughs) you know, 24 hours a day sometimes isn't enough. I completely understand that one. And actually um, the hurricane is what made me kind of reach back out to you and think about you because, um, I know that October is a favorite holiday of um, Yvonne and mine's, and you know the show's kind of been up and down. I don't know if you've been, uh, I don't know if you've been tracking the show too much, but it's been kind of hit or miss lately. So my goal for this month was really just to push hard, get some authors on the show, get some artists on the show. And um, when the hurricane went through, I'm like, well, I don't think we've had Julie Morgan in a while, so I think she deserves some updates. So I'm, I am really glad that you. Uh, found the time to spend an hour with us so i really appreciate it of course i'm happy to be here so what, what's but, you know i was oh, going to say october's Sorry. my favorite holiday month too you know i love halloween <laughs> it's my favorite holiday is halloween but my birthday is also in october but my uh, favorite ho- holiday is definitely halloween yeah no i i definitely enjoy uh halloween as well and i think that's definitely one of the top three for me. So what, what's been your most recent uh, work in progress that you pushed out? Tell, tell the viewers who, uh, well, excuse me, the listeners, if, uh, if they haven't heard your stuff before, what, what genre do you write and what, what's the most recent that you've uh, pushed out? I write paranormal romance mainly. And the series I'm working on right now, it's a shared world called speed dating with the denizens of the underworld. And it's, it sounds fun. <laughs> it's intended to. So imagine speed dating with demons. 
or angels or vampires or just creatures of the underworld, you know, I mean, just imagine the, the complexities of that and how fun or courageous or silly that could be. I mean, it's been so much fun. I have two books published in the world right now, and the third one was just turned in with edits. So it'll be published in December. But the first book I have out in it is called Samuel, and he's a prince of hell. And there's some humor written into the story, but he really kicks off this, this my series in this shared world for me. And he really sets the precedent for the world building that I'm doing in this shared world. And uh, it gets a little heavier on the kink side. So if, um, if the readers enjoy reading BDSM and their stories, this is going to be right up their alley. So it's um, into that. It, there's some uh, den play like in a, like a pit, you know, not literally like a dark pit, but just a pit in the sense of like a kink club. And um, some shows and stuff that would be going on by the kink club and some voyeurism and stuff like that. So it's just introducing somebody that's very vanilla to the world that had no idea that she would enjoy something like this, bringing her into it. And then you have this prince of hell who is, you know, labeled to nobody, finds this human woman and fascinated with her. And they immediately become enemies and hate each other, but they can't seem to stay away from each other. They're constantly running into each other. So they finally just start talking and realizing what they have in common with each other. And they start seeing each other and now they can't stay away from each other. So it was, it was fun watching them because she's just like, oh, you're so gorgeous. And then he starts talking and she's like, you've got diarrhea of the mouth. You need to stop talking. <laughs> you know, So, but it's just it's oh, fun watching them love to hate each other. Yeah, definitely. I'll have to track sometimes. So, no, that sounds really interesting. So with the shared, the shared world perception or, or perspective, uh, what, tell us a little bit about that. Because I, I think I know what you're kind of talking about, but I just want to make sure that I, I do know. So in this world, uh, the speed dating aspect, every every story in the world, their characters meet at this speed dating mingle. So that's where everyone's story not necessarily would kick off, but the speed dating has to be part of the world where their characters maybe meet or something goes on in the speed dating mingle where they would potentially see each other or something has to occur where the mingle would interlace into the story to bring all the the books together. So all of this is happening at the same timeline. And so we're like with all the stories that I'm writing, the, the first chapter is basically going back to the very beginning of where I was with Samuel when I wrote Hell's Bell, which is Persephone's story, like Persephone and Hades, but, Hades is not in the story just except for a small little blip. But when I wrote Persephone's story, it was basically going back to the very beginning of Samuel's story and writing her in time his took place starting at the speed date mingle. So when you see her story take place, she's there with a friend of hers who becomes a love interest of book three, but they're there together and she meets Isabel who becomes Samuel's love interest and she sees this exchange between Isabel and Samuel happening that you actually see in the first book. So you're seeing some stuff replay from the first book from a third party point of view. 
So you're seeing some stuff that's already happened, but it's actually happening at the same time in her story because all of this is happening at once. Uh, God, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. I, I'm, I'm glad that I asked for clarification because the shared, the shared world that I'm used to is in, I don't know if maybe you did this as well, and um, I just didn't catch it, but the shared world that I'm used to is the one that you have like one – I guess baseline. This is this is the location, right? And then you have other um, indie artists or whoever add to the anthology through that shared location. So through like the speed dating that you that you said, like everybody would have a tie of a story from that, but it'd be from a different author's perspective, not a different person, same time perspective. So I'm glad you clarified that a little bit. <laughs> Um, it it that, that's actually what I is taking place at the same location. It, they're all taking place in Los Angeles. So it is at the same location, at the same place, at the same time. So when the speed date mingle happens, it's just depending on the author when they bring that mingle into their story. So with mine, oh, I typically okay. have them at the beginning. Got it, got it. So we are saying the same thing. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah. I'm tracking that. Yeah. I, I'm tracking now. That's that's what I'm used to as well. Is if uh, somebody was doing something like that, it's same same like, hey, you're you're in a bar, and then what happens after the bar event <laughs> happens, and then yeah. everyone's you know right. life events change. So yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I got you. And then um, we were talking in your bio about your um, a big advocate support for for autism, and you kind of brought that into uh, into the show a little bit today as well talking about your support for it. Do you ever find right. yourself writing about that topic as well in some of these books? I've thought about it. I've considered creating some of my characters with a special needs type role, but every time I do, I end up shying away from it because I'm so far invested in who my daughter is that if I write that character how she is as an adult and put her in that situation, for me it's awkward because then I feel like I'm putting my daughter in a in a in an adult book and, and I can't do that. <laughs> so yeah, I would I, love I, to be able to the role, but again I I see my daughter and it's hard for me to do that. If I can break away from that and give somebody some sort of characteristic like that, I would love to be able to do it. And one day I know I can and I know I will. It's just right now, every time I do it and I start trying to, it, they end up becoming my daughter. And, and, I, and then I'm like, I stop. <laughs> so I can't do yeah, that. Right. <laughs> I understand. Now I'm, I know that you, you said the words right out of me and Yvonne's mouth, right? If Yvonne was here and you, she would definitely be scolding us for saying, you know, one day or, or I can't right now, but, you know, making sure that we always say that we can uh, do it one day and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's definitely important. So, yeah, that would be definitely an interesting one. Do you think there's been a genre like that before where there's been uh, an awareness of? Oh, yeah, um, definitely. I've read that. two different authors where their books have featured special needs people. And and it wasn't um, in the sense of where and, and I hate to use the word retardation because that word is not used anymore, but it wasn't like that. It was in the sense um, one of them, the character had a real sensory issue. 
She didn't like people touching her. It just gave her this really bad vibe. And the only people that could touch her were the ones that she had full, complete trust with, and it didn't give her that bad vibe. Another one, um, the character's younger brother had autism, and he was very cut and dry, very just one tone, Um, kind of like – I don't want to say Asperger's because my daughter's best friend has Asperger's and he's not like that. So it's, it's hard for me to say Asperger's because I've met children with Asperger's and they're all different. <laughs> they're all different levels, but he's, this character was just very monotone in how he interacted in the story. So, um, so those are the, the two different stories that I've read where special needs was featured in the, in the story. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's, that's an interesting, um, an interesting like twist on it too. Especially because not only does it bring awareness, but it's like, hey, this, these are potentially re- real people's lives that we're they're, yeah. they are writing about, and um, I don't think everybody has that kind of viewpoint of like, hey, like it's definitely a different way of life. Do you believe um, when I re- you'll stay in? The- Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, when I read the stories, I did not even realize that about the characters when I picked up the books. I didn't realize that was part of the story. So it was interesting to see that, you know, as a parent with an autistic child. It it was nice to see that, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, do you believe that you're going to still stay in the genre um, that you're in right now? Or do you feel like you're going to branch on to a couple others to try to potentially maybe write something along the same line? Well, I have branched out. Uh, I did write contemporary romance for a little while, and um, I have a couple of books out, misadventure stories. There's misadventures with a firefighter and misadventures with a lawyer that are out in the world. And um, I have a couple of short stories written with Meredith Wilde that we're putting together in one large book that we're going to publish towards the end of the year as a holiday-type book. And, excuse me, I had a full series um, called the Southern Roots series that was out for a little while, but I pulled it down to have it re-edited, and now that it's done, I'm a little hesitant putting it back up because I'm still focused on paranormal romance. So um, I did dabble in contemporary for a little while. Um, I do have an interest in going over into young adult um, to write something potentially that my daughter could read one day. Um, I just have to get in the right mindset to do it, and I would do it under a different pen name, but I just have to be in that mindset to be able to do it. And um, it's, I think it would be something fun to do. So at some point, one day in the future, it's on the to-do list. <laughs> to um, imagine that as well. I, I feel like a lot of the stories I've already published – um, could be read by my daughter at some point. Um, but I'm kind of along your lines too of like, yeah, maybe I'll try to figure out an angle that's like, hey, like this is more for for you now than it is like, oh wait, you know, ten more years and then maybe I'll let you read it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand yeah. that. It, I had gone to a signing out in uh, Winter Haven, Florida one year, a real small local signing, and a family came up, this mother with her two children, and one was 18 and one was 16, 
And the 16-year-old was very interested in reading my fallen angel romance. And I said, and just to be totally honest with you, I cannot sell you these books because you were underage and I don't feel right selling these to you. I can't. I can't sell these to you. <laughs> I can sell these to your mom. I can sell these to your brother, but I cannot sell these to you. I'm sorry. And her mother appreciated it. You know, she appreciated me turning her down because she is 16 at the time. I think she's like 21 now, but she was 16 at the time. And I just did not feel comfortable selling her those stories because if it was my daughter, I'd be so upset. <laughs> Somebody sold her those stories because my daughter's 15. Right. I, I don't want her reading stuff like that. <laughs> I want right. her to see exactly. that as long as possible. Yeah. Wow. And it's, it's unfortunate too, because, Speaking of innocence, it seems like more and more the innocence is being taken younger and younger with the with the threat of the internet and all that. They can just go on Google and yeah. find things that's like, man, like I didn't want them to see that or you know what I mean. I, I know that was starting a lot. And you can go into the, the department stores and go into the junior section, and take a look at the clothes. That's crazy. Right. It's just yeah. Anyway, anyway. No. I, Getting off topic there. Um, no, no, no words for that because I definitely, um, I've had a couple of interactions even when she's been, you know, six or seven that I'm like, where is she learning this stuff? Or where, like, where, who, who said that? Was it the TV? Was it something that I said? You know, I, I definitely yeah, feel I've that had those pain. too. Well, yeah, I feel that. I've pain. had those too. And when my daughter, when my daughter was, I think, eight years old, maybe. Now, mind you, being autistic, she acts like she's not listening. But, oh, let me tell you, she's listening. <laughs> I was giving her a bath, and we were playing and having a good time. And out of nowhere, she goes, hush, you bitch. <laughs> and I stopped, and I said, what would you say? And I didn't say it in a sense like she's in trouble. I just smiled, and I said, what would you say? She goes, hush, you bitch. And I said, Okay, we don't say the B word, but you can say, hush, you silly girl, and that's okay. But we don't say the other word. Right. So she goes, okay, hush, you silly girl. And then she never said it again. And I know I never right. said that. And my, I know my husband never said that. But she watches a lot of YouTube. So I had to imagine it came from YouTube because none of the kids right. at her school would ever say something like that because she goes to a special needs school. No one there would say, hush, you bitch. <laughs> anybody <laughs> so yeah from that moment on crazy. i started you know censoring what she was watching because i didn't think she was watching stuff like that that surprised me <laughs> no i definitely agree on that one and um yeah it's and it's so difficult too because now people are getting so smart about even when we're censoring it's like you think it's good and then they drop something and you're like oh man like i wasn't expecting you to do that like <laughs> like yeah. Parent ever. <laughs> um, no, I, I so got I you. Look, yeah, I was looking at um, some of your books on Amazon, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm actually pretty impressed um, at your reviews and all of that. Like one book series itself, Forever Free, has 466 yes. reviews, and you have four out of five stars. And these reviews are actually like pretty pretty solid reviews too. Um yeah. your number one's up five hundred seventy three in Kindle store, number twelve in the paranormal paranormal demons and devils romance, 
things like that. And some of the things that people are saying about your books are pretty impressive too. Like I'm reading this um, this review, uh, September 28, 2022. So probably your like most recent review on on your series. I, I don't I don't remember like how it well, showed the, up. In, in but the... the Forever Free isn't necessarily just mine. There's uh, probably 20 of us authors together that put our stories oh, okay. together and, and put that out into the world. Yeah. So there's a lot of stories together in that anthology, but yeah, there's a bunch of us that are featured together in that. Yeah. And I noticed that too. You had a list of about uh, 10, 15 people, uh, but some of yeah. the reviews, again, like you said, we do need to give credit to, to the other authors as well, but I, I have to think that they were talking about your book as well. They uh, one reader said that they found this collection to be entertaining, eclectic, and, uh, eclectic, my bad, with some new stories and some older stories by favorite authors. This is the book you take with you when you want to be pleasantly surprised with a good paranormal read. Some are shorter, while others uh, whet your appetite as a series starter. And like any collection, the variety of old and new is what makes it appeal- appealing for any lover of shifter romance. So just stuff like that uh, makes makes me makes me really appreciate like your your art right because um oh yeah totally i and, and all of that is actually the one genre that i kind of stay away from and so i i always know when i'm talking um to, to you or another author that uh you know it's gonna be a little bit of a challenge for me that disconnect of like well that's not that's the one genre that i haven't really like delved into but reading stuff like that makes me wonder if, if that's something that um, I might See, I've met it. I've met readers before that had not enjoyed or read Colonel Romance until they read mine, and I'm not saying that what I write is like perfect by any means, but the way I explained it to them, if you enjoy reading contemporary romance, the way mine is written, it's contemporary romance with some paranormal elements to it because the creatures and the vampires or the demons, that is not the story. Those are elements to the story. That is not the story. The story itself, the plot, the story, all of it tells itself. Those are merely just elements. So if you enjoy contemporary romance, you're going to enjoy mine. And I've converted people that had never read paranormal romance to start reading paranormal romance based just right off that. So if you can get over the aspect of it being paranormal, and when I say get over it, yeah. I don't mean it's just like get over yourself, but get over the fact that it's paranormal and read it for the story that it is, and those are just elements to the story, you'll read it in an easier light, in an easier aspect of, I can go into this differently. I can go into this because this is going to be like any other story I'm going to read, and these are just elements that are going to, okay, he's got teeth, he's going to bite her kind of thing, you know. <laughs> So, but it's um, if you look at it from that perspective, it might help maybe get you into the story a little bit more. Actually, and I I was actually that was one of my uh, questions I had to set up tonight was um, the perspective of others in your life or uh, your genre. What 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 do they think about what you write? Because I know from the paranormal standpoint, I have a couple of paranormal stories, and they always wondered, um, you know. Not not religious, but like, hey, do you, do you believe in that kind of stuff? Do you 
have you had experiences like that? And so it's it's created some interesting conversations. Have you kind of had this? I've never had any type of experience with a vampire or a demon or anything like that. I'm just completely fascinated (laughs) with them. I I know what you mean, though. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. But I'm just fascinated with them. I have been since I was a little girl. You know, I've just always been fascinated with them. And uh, one of my favorite series that I wrote, and it's with one of my publishers, Naughty Nights Press, it's uh, The The Concubine and Her Vampires. It's actually free right now, for anybody listening, The Concubine and Her Vampires. And um, it's free through October. And um, she called, or no, she didn't call me. She wrote me one day. She goes, hey, how do you feel about writing me a reverse harem? Uh, I never thought about it, but okay, I'll see what I can do. 30 days later, I had a story written I didn't even realize I had in my head. And from that story has spawned a three-book series that we've now expanded into another series that's going to be three books. So it just, for me, it caught on like wildfire, and my readers have loved them. And Reverse Harem is a lot of men with one woman. And the premise behind the story is in this world, in New Orleans, this where the story originally takes place, <clears throat> vampires feed only on blood demons. And blood demons are created by um, an incubus mating with a, with a human female. The offspring is a blood demon, and um, a female blood demon. And the uh, blood demon then becomes sustenance to a vampire, basically like a blood bag. And as time has evolved, the blood demons are becoming less and less and less in the world to the point where vampires have had to group up, come form like covenants of their own, uh, like brothers in arms, so to speak. So the first story, The Concubine and Her Vampires, kicks off the series with Olivia, who is a, a pure blood demon and has no interest in this role at all, but she knows that no matter what she does in life, this is her destiny, whether she wants it or not. And uh, she goes to the choosing ceremony because, you know, she has to be there and she gets chosen by this group of five men. And over time she falls in love with all five of them. And it's a completely wild ride that I never expected to write. And, um, it, it was so much fun, and for just for something to be funny with it, I went on Amazon, and I bought five posable little dolls, <laughs> and I told my readers, I said, I bought these, so I don't lose track of hands, and I've never used them, but I, I formed them in like a YMCA train, <laughs> so, and I had fun with that, you know, just, just for fun, and then, um, yeah. so I wrote that, that series, it was three books, and my readers loved it so much they wanted more. So we decided to spin it off to create another one called The Blood Chronicles. And the first one takes place in New Orleans. And you see the leader named Malik, who uh, is in all three stories, he makes an appearance. So they were curious about him. Let's have his story. So he gets his story told in the first spinoff of the book. Um, that one's already published and out there in the world. And the second book will take place in Paris, and the third third book will take place in Australia. So, like, the entire world is covered. And um, the story for Paris, when I was writing it, I fell so deep into this story that I couldn't stop writing. 
it just kept going and going and going. And these characters were just so close to me. And it just so much of me went into that story that I, I've had some book hangovers when I finished writing, but I've never, ever had a book hangover like this. It hurt. Like, my heart was broken when it was done because <laughs> I wanted more. <laughs> but my publisher was like, you're going to have to stop at some point. <laughs> I finally got to the point where I wrote the end, and I was just like, I don't want it to stop. <laughs> Right. I've had one of those moments in a while, and I think, honestly, that's kind of where um, my hesitation to get back into writing has been because of the the same feelings, thoughts, emotions, all of that, the visceral part of it, um, hasn't really come back yet. So, you know, I've been writing little pieces here and there. Um, I have a couple of works in progress that I'm working on of the different genres that, you know, I try to play in, but I know exactly what you're talking about, the the writer's remorse of like, you know, are you sure I can't keep going? Are you sure it's not? It's done, right? Yes, yes, it's done. Oh, okay, it's done. Okay. (laughs) Do you, for your book? Yeah, it's crazy um, because when you're, people don't understand as a writer, you, you know, people, (laughs) you grow up thinking if you hear voices, you're insane. That's what what you grow up thinking. You become a, you hear voices, but you're not insane. So you, you listen to these voices and when I explain to people when I write, it's like you become a vessel. It's you. Right. They take over, and the words just come out of you, and you don't even sometimes know where the story is going to go. It just goes, and sometimes it's like a 90-degree angle turn, like, whoa, where'd this go? You know, you don't even know what's happening as it's happening. You're like, I didn't see that coming, and you're the one writing it. I didn't see that coming. And when I'm done, I have no idea how much time has passed. And what's funny is sometimes I don't even remember what I wrote because it wasn't me. <laughs> so I had to go back and read Five. what it was. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And you're just like, oh, my God, did I write that? <laughs> did I really write well, that? <laughs> it's funny, too. You can, you can see when an author's in the zone like that how much more enrichment there is in the story. Um, I'm even going to throw myself out there. There was a book that um, I wrote, and I'm not going to say which one. Obviously, I'll, I'll keep everybody in suspense. But the people who have <laughs> read it um, noticed that I didn't have that same drive and that same, you know, uh, summarize it just as drive. Like it, it didn't have the same the feel, the the same um, level of of depth, all of that, and. It's always funny when this book gets written by people because it's the same feedback over and over that, hey, like, this doesn't feel like you were in it. This doesn't feel like you, you really wanted to do it. And a part of me is a little bit sad, right, because when, when we write, we want people yeah. to be entertained. That's why we write. But another part of me is kind of grateful because you get all these authors who just do bestseller after bestseller after bestseller after bestseller and everything's a hit, everything's a hit. And as as bad as it sounds, because it makes me sound kind of capitalistic, if you will, that, you know, oh, you bought my stuff, who cares, right? That's not the case at all. I'm glad you bought it and saw something that I – you saw both sides of me, right? You saw hit, 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 cool, but then you saw one that you're like, man, like, you really weren't into this one. Like, I see the difference in the writing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, so yeah, I, I know exactly I what like you mean. I kind of like authors like that that have that 
you know, you don't know what you're going to get. Maybe it's going to be the best thing. Maybe it's going to be a flop. But, like, it, it makes you respect the good when you have and people actually notice yeah. it, you know. Like, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm just a glutton for punishment. But I, I always kind well, of, when, I, when my beta um, readers read the Paris story, the one that I couldn't stop writing, when my beta readers finished it, every one of them reached out to me and said, this has been my favorite story you've ever written. And I knew I did something good with that. You know, if they personally said, this has been my favorite. And when I asked my PA, Heather, <laughs> and if you're listening, Heather, I'm picking on you, but with Heather, I said, what did you think of this story? She said, O-M-F-ing-G, but the entire word, O-M-F-ing-G, I effing loved it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, so that I, made when, me feel good. Right. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree on that. When you're when you're writing these stories and all that, because you've already said that you've kind of covered the world, um, do you do a lot of case study reviews on that? Like, hey, culture, it, it's acceptable to do X, but in this culture, it's not. Or, you know, learning. Yeah, the I try to get a like, feel for what they do in that part of the world. I try to get a feel for what's in that area. I try to get an understanding of how the people interact in that world. I want it to be believable. And like even for Australia, I have a reader that lives out there, and I've reached out to her and helped me with syntax, help, tell me how they would actually speak. Is this even a thing? Tell me about the food, you know. So I try to get everything as legitimate as I can. I don't want to just be like, you know, hey, let's go have some Whataburger. People from Texas know what I'm talking about, but let's go have some Whataburger, and you're over in Maine, and Maine is like, I don't know what the hell she's talking about because there's no Whataburger here. So, you know, you definitely have to do your research if you want to be legitimate because people will call you out on your shit if you don't. They will call you out. Oh, no. I, that's kind of why I'm glad Many people may not do that. that. Yeah, many people may not do that, but they will. I wrote a military romance series that's not published right now. When I get back into my contemporary, I'll put it back up. But the first one I did was Delta Force, and I actually had a military soldier a male military soldier review it and tell me how true to life the story was because I had my husband sit down with me and help me with the military scenes because he's military and help me with the military scenes. Help me write this. Help me stage this. And he did. And it made it perfect for me. So it was great. And because of that, I had a, a gentleman review it, just how true to life the story actually was, even outside the romance, how true to life the story was. And how it resonated with him, not just with the romance, but just how the story made him feel. And that touched me so much to, just to, to see that. Well, and I think also the other, the other part of it is just making sure, kind of like what you said, all the facts are there, right? And that's kind of why I'm grateful that the genres I write, you can kind of make up the facts as you go along. And people are like, oh, seems legit. But for stuff like that, like, I definitely give you props that it's like, no, if the reader's reading this and there's one just off item of anything, it's, it's mm -hmm. not going to fly. <laughs> like, it's not going to fly at all. Have oh, you, yeah, absolutely. Um, have you had experience like that with, with the reader yet or no? Um, I have as a reader. I have. I've read, I've read stories, and um, I try to finish books. Even if I don't enjoy it, I still try to finish it. 
I hate to say there's a DNF where I do not finish. Uh, I, I don't want to do not finish a book, but if it's just not my thing, I can't finish it. If it's just not my thing, not every book is for everybody. It is what it is. Um, I don't read horror. I read a cycle. I'll read a cycle thriller, but I don't want to read horror. But one day I might want to write a horror. I think I'll draw. I think I'd like to write one. I think. Not read one, but I think yeah. I think I could write one. You know, it's different reading it than writing it. You know. Anyway. So. Yeah, well, um, but yeah, I've had an experience where somebody was writing something, um, having to do with Texas, and I'm from Texas, but having to do with Texas. And and I don't remember what the circumstance was, but it had something to do with being on a farm. And I grew up on a farm, something doing on a farm, and it just was not realistic. It completely took me out of the story. And I was like, that would not happen kind of thing. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to talk about farm equipment and you're going to really try to do it up, you need to get your facts right and talk to somebody who's been there. Not me necessarily, just, you know, Understand what your facts are. Get your story information. Do your research. Don't just write a John Deere track for the same thing as a John Deere character. We agree on that one. I've uh, I've had my fair share of books. That I'm like, man, like you really didn't know what you're talking about. And um, I, yeah. I've also had my fair share of books that I could not finish, even as hard as I tried. Um, you know, and it's not always. Uh, I think the authors fault. Um, I think that's really important to, to, sh- to highlight too that you know sometimes it's the reader you know sometimes the reader just doesn't jive with the author and that's okay. It doesn't mean that they're a bad author. Yeah. It just means that that was a misconnection I guess. Yeah not every book is for everybody and I'm okay with that. I've actually I actually used a one-star review on the concubine and her vampires as promotional material, and it's worked. And I've encouraged so many authors to do that. Find some of your one-stars and use the promotional material because it will work. The one that I used was this woman grabbed it. She said, I bought this innocently thinking five guys won't be so bad. Oh, boy, was I wrong. This was way too hot for me. They need a triple X version, one star. <laughs> so I took that and used that as a professional right. material in it, sold books. I put that on TikTok, and it got over 12,000 views in one day. So I was like, I'm doing something right with this. <laughs> right. <laughs> when, when, when feedback works in my <laughs> um, yeah. what Works other... in negative feedback, exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and embrace it, too. I mean, you, you can't get any better. Yeah. If you don't that feedback, what other um, yeah. avenues are you at? Are you looking at just keeping to writing, or do you uh, like? I see a lot of these covers. Do you do your own covers, or do you have somebody do graphic design? Oh, Is that interested in? I do not art by any shape or form. I well, do not your, art. Your, <laughs> with your computer science, degree, uh, um, I know a little bit broad right like computer science to you might be something totally different to me but um that's kind of the thread that i was trying to pull computer science for me the computer science for me is coding and software engineering program management stuff like that that's my degree Uh, i don't do anything with graphic arts i am not a graphics person at all would i learn to love it i mean would i learn to love how to do it yeah of course but even if i learn how to do it 
I, I don't think I would be any good at it because I don't have that eye. And even with, like, home decor, decorating things, that gene skipped me. It, I'm not good at it. <laughs> so I don't think that doing a cover work would ever be something I would be good at. I can tell you what I want, what I think the cover should look like, but designing it, no. I have people that do that for me, or I work with right. a publisher and they put something together. No, I I agree with you on that. I I definitely rely and lean on people uh, that can do a lot better jobs than me for stuff like that. Um, especially in the home decor one, uh, my my girlfriend makes fun of me all the time because I'm color deficient. So it's always like, well, what shade yeah. of blue is this? And I'm, oh, I don't. I can't tell you that. It's just blue to me. It's, it's like a dark blue. blue. <laughs> right. I cannot tell you what shade that is. So uh, definitely I, I give respect to the people who have a little bit more finesse with stuff like that. Um, what other things have you noticed when you talk to people? Uh, going back to, to autism, I, I didn't want it for too long, right? Kind of chunk it up a little bit. What things have you noticed? that people kind of take for granted um, for people who have autism? When you say for people take for granted, are you talking about people that do not deal with autism? Correct. Like what's some things that maybe people wouldn't know that autistic people do or act and they're like, oh, man, like I I never knew that that's like their gift, you know, because we all have, even with our special challenges, we all have our kind of special gifts too. Like what – is a common theme with you and you can even use your own personal life that you're like, you know, yeah, it's, it's a challenge, but we got this gift because of this challenge. Does that make sense? Well, um, my daughter, her special talent, um, is memorization. That child will memorize anything on a whim. When she was three years old, she had all the presidents memorized. She blew me away. And I, I don't even have them memorized. She was three years old and had them memorized. But uh, she used to have a serious, serious issue with sound, with music, with clapping, anything like that. She would go into a huge, huge meltdown. So it was hard to play music around her. You couldn't even sing her the happy birthday song. Nothing like that. If we went into a restaurant, we had to tell the hostess and the waiter both, do not set us anywhere near a birthday party. And if somebody's going to come out clapping, singing happy birthday, please warn us ahead of time so we can get out. So sometimes I forgot, and it started, and, oh, she wailed like a siren. But um, over time, working with her, you know, just working and working and working through it, my daughter now is on a competitive dance team. She's completely overcome it on a competitive dance team does solo dances in front of judges on a stage where they clap for her. The first time she did that, I broke down crying because she overcame all of that. So, you know, people take for granted when they have a quote-unquote normal child that they can put in football or basketball or softball or volleyball or ice skating or whatever and let them try out anything they want. Born with my daughter, I don't have that luxury, and I don't mind. 
I find what will suit her. And to be totally honest, dance is what opened up her mind. And it's dance is not a special skill of hers where she's like this prima ballerina by any means. But when one of the studios that we used to take her to over in Winter Haven, the instructor there had never taught a special needs student before. So she asked, can I please have like a week or two to do some research before you bring her in? I just want to make sure I understand what I'm getting into bringing her on. I said, absolutely, sure. So she did her research. We brought her in. They talked to her and did whatever. And she started working with her one-on-one, just, just her on the side. And I don't know what she did, but something in the way she taught her got my daughter over whatever this wall was in her mind, got her through it, got her over it, whatever it was. And suddenly it's like, you remember at the beginning of Oz, everything was black and white, and suddenly now it's in color. That's how it was with her. Everything in the world was just black and white, and then suddenly, whatever the dance instructor did, it was now in color, and she completely changed. And she started talking more because she was all, she was on the verge of being nonverbal. She was she did not talk a whole lot. She had a lot of learned responses, but she started talking a lot more, having conversations. Um, having more fun, getting more energetic, doing things. Her grades skyrocketed. She was failing almost everything because just the comprehension wasn't there. And then suddenly she starts making straight A's. And all of this is because of dance, and somebody took the time to help her get her over that hump. And it completely changed her world. It changed my world. So, I mean – Anything is possible. You just have to find that avenue that is going to do it for you. Not every door is locked. You just have to find that one that's right. open. You just have to find that one. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And like, kudos to the to the coach, right? Taking the extra time and all that. And to tell you the truth, I rather hear yeah. stories like that. Hey, this is what I had to overcome to do what I do. Then kind of like what you said of the normal, where hey, like. My son or daughter plays, you know, football, and yeah. they didn't really have to do anything. They just put pads on and went out there. Like, I like those stories more where they had to come overcome some type of adversity, yeah. you know, even if it was um, a quote-unquote normal student uh, overcoming, you know, financial adversity to, to join the team, right? Stuff like that. I, I, I don't like hearing those stories because it's sad. That's a, that's a true human. But I'd rather hear those stories yeah. than – Ones that are like, oh yeah, I'm. I just touched a football. I and put on pads and ran to the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I, I, so believe it or not, can you believe that we're at our ten minute mark already? I just had to look at my phone. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I, I that's why I drive. Trust me, it's okay. Everyone everyone just sits, has a good time, just checks out the scenery. I'll I'll drive. I'll I'll keep an eye on the time and. We'll be all right. <laughs> it really does go that fast, though, doesn't? It? <laughs> even yeah. with uh, even with Yvonne not here, you know, and that's funny because um, I've been doing the shows now solo for for you know most of the month. Um, even with Yvonne on the show, it's like so much faster because you have like rapid fire two people opinion coming to one. So 
you know, I, I always kind of laugh. I was like, man, you know, with two people it's fast, but even just with one-on-one it's fast as well. So, um, you know, towards the end we always do our, our closing remarks and whatnot. So hopefully you enjoyed the show. Are you uh, going to tr- come back and give us a, a piece of uh, your work in progress in the future or your new releases? Sure, absolutely. Um, right now I'm working on, um, I mean, I just finished up a story called Castile that's in the speed dating with the denizens of the underworld, and I'll be um, starting another story called Alistair here soon. He's another one of the characters. He'll be my fourth book. Sounds great. And you, you know when you uh, release them, you'll have to come back on and we'll have to bring you on. So for those who are listening tonight, uh, this has been Julie Morgan, the U.S. Today, an award-winning best-selling author um, who's originally from Texas, now in Florida, and we talked about, you know, the special needs children, how she's an advocate, how she has experience, and all that. And we can find her on JulieMorganBooks.com. So, uh, also with the closing remarks of the night, you know, we always do our words of wisdom, right? What words of wisdom do you live by? Um, I know we've talked a lot throughout the show with some good words of wisdom, but what, what do you normally live by? What's, what's your true north compass words of wisdom that you use for yourself? Um, always be you. There's only one you. Always be you. And don't forget where you came from. Are you sure you don't have Yvonne over in Florida still? <laughs> no. She's not here. that one. <laughs> <laughs> <She's not. laughs> we should actually do a, like a, you know how they used to do Carmen San Diego, like where in the world is Yvonne Mason? Yeah. <laughs> we can yeah. chase and have, <laughs> we could chase her down and have uh, clues that we we try to, you know, un unlock and and break to find the ever elusive Yvonne Mason. No, I, I definitely oh. agree with the. I I definitely agree with that. Time that there's only one you and I think um, I would even go further and say remember there's only one you but you're also just one person Um, I'm definitely Mm -hmm. a person who usually will do anything and everything for somebody to the point of exhaustion and if I do that for one person it's great I do that for 20 people all the time it's exhausting (laughs) and I fail so I definitely like (laughs) I definitely like you know, uh, that you're, you're your own person. So be unique and all that, but also remember that you're your own person and you can't change the world every, every day, every minute. Sometimes you need to change the world and take a break. So I appreciate you. Um, I just try to change the world. I just try to change the world around my daughter just to make sure she's safe and that she, she'll have a safe place, you know, once we're gone. No, I agree with that. I, we, we've already kind of touched on it too, how fast the world is changing. And um, I yeah. I try to do the same thing for my kiddos and it, it's hard, um, especially because of the, the disconnected generational differences, you know, but we, oh my gosh. we adapt. Yeah. We, yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> we adapt. Yeah. We, we overcome. <laughs> we, we, so again, I, yep. I really do appreciate you on the show tonight and uh, thank you so much for spending an hour with us I hope you had a good time and uh, I did thank you for having me yeah of course and thanks for expanding our horizons you know I I, I like I like being challenged like that so I appreciate you uh, taking this this 
awkward dude and, and traversing that uh, genre for an hour. So it was definitely fun. <laughs> sure. Well, hey, y'all. Uh, again, on behalf of y- Yvonne Mason, I am Ian Bush. This has been Off the Chain. We had Julie Morgan on here. Um, I really appreciate all of you tuning in and listening and learning with us. Uh, join us tomorrow, 11 October uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern time, where we talk to Mary Brotherson uh, of Be Unique. So she is a magazine creator, and honestly, that's like the most basic form of what she is. She can pretty much do anything, everything, all the things. It's it's pretty crazy. So join us tomorrow. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 October. Mary Brotherson, be unique. And again, on for the Office Chain family, we appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in with us. Thank you for spending an hour with us. And uh, Yvonne and I both really appreciate it. So on behalf of Yvonne, Yvonne Mason and I, Ian Bush, thank you so much. Have a great night. And if nobody else tells you, we love you. Be safe and keep doing great art. So thank you so much. Have a great night. Bye, y'all.